Hello, wonderful high famers. If you can feel the excitement radiating through your speakers or earbuds right now, it's because something big is on the horizon. It's not just any other day here at HiFam. It's the day that we, or at least I, have been waiting for. For those of you tuning in as this episode drops, first of all, thank you so much. And second of all, I've got some fabulous news. My book, which we've been hinting at and discussing over the past few weeks or um, um, years, is now available for pre-order on Amazon and I've made it super easy for you. Just visit reclaimplay.com and you'll find all the information you need right at your fingertips. Now, if the prospect of a new book wasn't tantalizing enough, how about we sprinkle in some magic? For all of you early birds who pre-order today, there is a delightful bonus waiting for you. A free, yes, you heard me, free, fun and impactful childhood design mini course. And trust me, it really is as enchanting as it sounds and it is the perfect companion to get you on your way with the book. But wait, there is more, because if you're tuning into this episode after September 19th, 2023, fear not. Although you might have missed the pre-order window, you can still grab the book. And there is a cherry on top because we have an incredible bonus for anyone grabbing the book, pre-order or not. And that is the ultimate toy guide, an absolute game changer that you and your little ones or not so little ones will really enjoy and they will thank you. This is going to eliminate all your decision fatigue, set you up for confidence in purchasing and, you know, kind of building out your toy library as the years go on. So with all this excitement, you might be wondering why this book? Why have you written it? What is it about? What problem are you trying to solve? Well, here's the thing. Play, that wonderful, imaginative and free-spirited activity has been, wait for it, stolen from our children. Yep. You heard that right. It's a bit of a bombastic word, but I'm not just throwing it around casually. Stolen is what I literally mean and stolen is an acronym and I outline it in the book. But in today's episode, we'll unravel its meaning and dive deep into the exact problem that my book, Reclaim Play, aims to solve. So strap in. You don't need to grab a notepad because all the notes are taken for you in the book and I really hope that you grab it and grab a copy for your friend because it makes an excellent birthday present or baby present or what have you and simply let your imagination roam as we journey together to reclaim what has been lost and set our children's spirits free. This is Hi Fam. I'm Avital. I'm going to be reading part of the book to you today and particularly as I said we're outlining how play has been stolen. Why did I feel that we need to write a book about how to reclaim it? Because there are lots of books about childhood development, about the early years and even about play. Some pretty incredible uh, works of great literature and academia and intellect have been already poured over the subject of play. So why another book on this subject? Well, I think it is of great relevance to our generation because play has been declining precipitously over the last few decades. And in fact, we know that children used to play for hours a day and that has declined so dramatically that many children today are actually living a childhood devoid of play. So here I'm going to be reading for you our stolen acronym. What does the S stand for in stolen? The S is for safetyism. 
The rise in parental anxieties and perceived responsibilities adds to the drastic cut in free time and increase in parental involvement. In their book, The Coddling of the American Mind, authors Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt focus on the unintended consequences of a concept they coin as safetyism. The idea that people are weak and should be protected from rather than exposed to challenges. The safety culture has the best of intentions, protecting kids from danger. However, similar to the failure of the self-esteem movement, which actually ended up lowering children's self-esteem as they learn to depend on others' praise for their self-concept, safetyism shapes children into delicate, fragile beings who have learned that they cannot withstand challenges, stress, or even uncomfortable situations without crumbling. As Greg says, teaching kids that failures, insults, and painful experiences will do lasting damage is harmful in and of itself. Human beings need physical and mental challenges and stresses, or we deteriorate. In the name of safety, we are endangering our children's curiosity, sense of adventure, and independence. We are worried about leaving our babies to play in their playpens while we take a much-needed shower. We might be scared to let our four-year-old explore our enclosed backyard without constant supervision. We're frightened to let our eight-year-old use a hot glue gun to work on his creation. These limitations stunt children's creativity and development. Lenore Skenazi, author of Free Range Kids, was crucified by America's media and crowned worst mom in the world, a label she then proudly adopted when she allowed her nine-year-old to ride the subway alone at his request and to great success. She has since begun a powerful crusade to free children to once again walk to their nearby playgrounds without their parents being arrested by the police, which, yes, actually happens. Her work is profoundly important, and she helps parents find solutions and tactics to allow children more freedom within our safetyist culture. She helps us reframe what might be perceived as negligent parenting, like allowing a nine-year-old child to walk to the playground alone, as a strategy that actually keeps them safer in the long run. We have to learn to remind the other parents who think we're being careless when we loosen our grip that we are actually trying to teach our children how to get along in the world and that we believe this is our job. A child who can fend for himself is a lot safer than one forever coddled because the coddled child will not have mom or dad around all the time, even though they act as if he will. Our fears are not limited to physical dangers alone. Once the needs for shelter, food, safety, health, and education are basically met, us parents don't stop worrying. Instead, we turn our worries to the realm of emotional well-being. I speak to many parents who are afraid that encouraging a child to play independently might cause psychological damage. What if they feel rejected, abandoned, traumatized because I wasn't available and interested? Will it harm our attachment? Will she believe I'm disinterested? Or my favorite, and yes, people have really asked me this, why have kids to begin with if you don't want to play with them? These questions reveal a big misunderstanding of the importance of space in every relationship, the value of self-discovery and time for one's own thought, and the profound impact of trusting our children and ourselves to enjoy a fulfilling and secure attachment without being physically glued together. As modern parents, we spend double the amount of time with our children compared to parents in the 1950s, even though we also work more. This can contribute to the rise in postpartum depression and parental burnout. Many mothers feel guilty about using screens or resorting to helicopter parenting and sacrifice their own self-care for the sake of their children. Unfortunately, the past few decades have also seen a decline in free play for children, which is tragic considering the numerous benefits it has for children's development and for parents. 
Independent play allows children to discover their own inner voice, ambition and direction, and it also gives parents a chance to relax. However, too much adult attention can hinder this process and make children dependent on external intervention and expectations. Furthermore, such parenting can lead to burnout. In my practice, many parents share their sense of guilt at letting their children play independently. I feel bad that I'm not giving him constant attention. Where did we get the notion that our children need us at every waking moment? If we're keeping them safe, cared for and educated, why can't there be long stretches where we are uninvolved in the minutiae of their activities? Burnout or just plain old misery is a very real risk that parents face. Not taking a few minutes to sit and enjoy your morning coffee, not saying no to a game of mermaids sometimes, or not feeling well within the healthy norm when you read a book on the couch as your child plays beside you. These types of thoughts and feelings can run through a parent's mind, turning you into an incessant track of guilt and exhaustion. And it has to stop. Constant attention is actually pretty terrible for children and an almost surefire way to burn parents out fast. The unfounded and media-urged rise in our fears around childhood safety and anxiety around kidnapping in particular have led us to restrict the ways our children can play freely, especially unsupervised and outdoors. These growing concerns lead to a social norm of overprotection, overpadding, and severe restriction of childhood play that removes all necessary and healthy risks, exploration, and adventure from the realm of play. The focus on safety does not stay within the confines of physical risk, but also stops children from taking emotional, social, academic, and creative risks that are foundational to independent play and to life success in general. The T in Stolen stands for tech addiction. The meteoric rise in screen time over the past few decades, where children ages 8 to 18 spend an average of seven and a half hours in front of a screen for entertainment each day, according to the CDC, has resulted in children spending more time being passive, sedentary and glued to a device instead of exercising their bodies and imaginations. Do younger children fare better? Only slightly. Research shows that children under the age of two are averaging more than three and a half hours a day in front of a screen, mainly the TV, a statistic that has doubled since 1997. Still pretty grim. In the book Reclaim Play, I have dedicated an entire chapter to screens and its effects on play, and it's not all bad news. But excessive screen time can be detrimental to young children's development in several ways. It can negatively impact their physical health by leading to a sedentary lifestyle and reducing their opportunities for physical activity. It can also harm their cognitive development by limiting their ability to engage in creative and imaginative play, which is crucial for their brain development. Furthermore, excessive screen time can negatively impact their social and emotional development by reducing their opportunities for face-to-face interactions with adults and peers. Studies also suggest that excessive screen time can disrupt sleep patterns in young children, which can affect their overall well-being. Still, the negative effects of excess screen usage are perhaps most profound in what it takes away from, which is that it cuts into the hours available for free play. The O in stolen stands for overachievement. School-aged children have faced a drastic cut in their free time compared to a generation ago. School days and the school years are longer. The homework load is greater and recess shorter. The little time left outside of school is spent in more structured activities, screen time and resume building. Many children's lives today are busier than a termite hill with little to no time left for free play. 
One would think that if school-aged children are getting the short end of the play stick, perhaps the younger children are clocking the play that we think of as synonymous with childhood. But sadly, preschoolers' free time is not really free either. Even little babies and toddlers are being primed for a structured, directed, entertained and sedentary lifestyle. Since about 1955, children's free play has been continually declining, at least partly because adults have exerted ever-increasing control over children's activities. That's a quote from Dr. Peter Gray, professor of psychology at Boston College and a friend. The rise in helicopter parenting, a style where parents hover over their children all the way to college, often means that children are never left to their own devices. This hovering can understandably begin at the vulnerable baby stage where adults must be completely attuned to their infant. Their very survival relies upon it. But even in the baby stage, incessant hovering and entertaining unintentionally disenfranchises babies from their own capacity to simply be without adult attention at every waking moment. If adults are always making themselves available to children, playing with them and even for them, children will not develop the skills associated with independent play. Instead, they develop an unnecessary dependency that doesn't serve them or their parents well. I see this all the time. Furthermore, adult intervention usually means adult direction. The adult chooses how the child should best spend their time. Now we're going to do this puzzle, which means that the adult crafts the schedule with socially sanctioned pastimes, often prioritizing adult-directed activities such as baby music classes, organized sports, or tutoring, anything that seems productive to our culturally conditioned adult minds. It's not our fault. We all want the best for our kids, but it's so hard to see how sometimes our adult eyes are oriented solely towards achievement and success, skipping over the beauty of the slow pace of childhood. The fact is that there's basically no industry that stands to gain monetarily from your child delving into long hours of unstructured play. It's free, which is one reason why there's little awareness about the importance of free play and exploration. As parents, we often feel a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment when we invest our time and give our children ample attention and care. And fair enough, we feel a sense of privilege when we enroll our children in various classes and activities. We feel like we're doing the right thing when we spend hours on homework each day. What we sometimes don't realize is that there is such a thing as overparenting, especially when it comes to the kind of interjections that cut deeply into our children's free playtime. Childhood has become less about developing mastery, confidence, social skills, emotional intelligence, independence, and resilience, and more about building an impressive resume to outpace competitors in the college admissions process. Children today, in comparison to decades prior, are being pushed into earlier academics, spend longer days in school, have heavier loads of homework, and participate in more adult-led extracurricular activities than ever before, with no evidence to suggest that any of these improve results for children. Quite the contrary. The L in stolen stands for loneliness. The normal development of human beings around the world and throughout millennia has included long stretches of independent play from very early ages. As Dear Flancy explains, for many indigenous groups, play is not only the child's responsibility, but also the gateway to their inclusion as active and productive members of society. The Yarrawa, South and Middle Andaman Islands, the Hazda, North Central Tanzania, incorporate adult activities in their play. Adults believe that children learn best when unsupervised and assume that they will, of their own accord, begin contributing to the economy of their community when they are ready to do so. 
Children in these and other indigenous groups are given great autonomy, not only because that's how they learn best, but also because adults realize that children have opportunities to earn social capital through good deeds. If these are voluntary and not assigned, so much the better. In the Ayatmal culture of Papua New Guinea, children are expected to contribute to their family's efforts, but they are not assigned chores. Instead, their autonomy enables them to offer assistance to others and establish lasting and valuable relationships. As part of a village, a parent has a network of eyes and ears to keep an eye on their children's whereabouts. They also have the backing and validation of the community that collectively normalizes and encourages free and independent play as the expected behavior for kids. Additionally, there is a crowd of other children who can model this play and initiate group games. However, when a parent is alone at home with their child and without the support, it can feel daunting, infuriating and impossible to encourage such play. The child looks exclusively to the parent as the be-all and end-all answer to their entertainment. As one member of the Reclaim Play community, Valentina, wrote, I often get angry at my son when he's whining constantly and clinging to me, pulling me to play with him. Often I need to do something else like cooking, cleaning, answering emails or using the bathroom. I know that he also needs my attention at that moment, but I get really frustrated because I can't finish what I'm doing. Sometimes I ignore him or even yell at him, which I truly never want to do. But with the disappearance of the village it takes to raise a child, we're standing isolated and shoulders crumbling under the weight. As parents, we're often alone and usually lonely. Parenting has become a private affair. Your challenges and wins are known to no one but you. Over-entertaining and over-involved parenting of children is bad for kids and it's bad for parents too. If we adopted some of the well-established traditions of many indigenous groups, we too might look at independent play as an opportunity for kids to discover themselves, to find their voice and creativity, and to give us a few moments of hard-earned peace. Children have moved indoors, away from their roaming friends. Nuclear family units have shrunk away from extended families and into ever tinier circles. Parents are having fewer children than ever before, with less siblings and eventually less cousins around. In modern families, both parent and child often feel the sting of isolation. The child has no one to play with, the adult has no one to offer support and the proverbial village. When there is less support, less social acceptance of play and fewer play peers, play suffers. By the way, if you're enjoying this episode so far, you're going to love the book. All of this is from the book and there is the solutions to all of these problems there. So make sure to head on over to reclaimplay.com. Grab the book, grab the course, dive all in and make sure that your child is not going to suffer from a play-free childhood. All right, let's carry on. E stands for excess. Children today have more toys than ever before, yet this excess does not lead to more quantity or quality of play. In fact, when toddlers have more toys in their environment, it generally leads to less play. The toy industry sells upwards of 3 billion toys per year in the USA alone, and parents feel pressure to keep up with others. The focus has shifted from providing a good quality, inviting environment for play and offering time and encouragement to pumping childhood with ever more gadgets and toys. Many homes are flooded with toys, but devoid of play. Research shows that excess clutter in the home leads to lowered levels of concentration and focus. And studies have shown that children with fewer toys are more likely to engage in creative and imaginative play. Additionally, research suggests that children with too many toys are less likely to play with any single toy for an extended period of time, leading to a decrease in quality of play. 
Furthermore, children in particular process incoming visual stimuli differently than adults. They absorb much more information all at once and have a challenging time filtering and making sense of it. They're particularly susceptible to cluttered environments and need less visual input, an organized space and fewer toys and distractions to allow them to focus and engage in play. And that's why I've created an incredible free bonus to go along with the Reclaim Play book. When you buy the book, all you need to do is come to reclaimplay.com, give us your order number, and we will give you your ultimate toy guide so that the toys that you do have are actually going to encourage independent play and not diminish it. And finally, the N in stolen stands for narration. Parents have received well-intentioned but misguided advice to constantly talk to and at their children. Recent parenting advice has mandated that the more words spoken to a child, the richer their vocabulary and the better their academic skills. This is based on the famous 1995 30 million word gap study, which demonstrated that low-income children hear far less spoken language before their first day of school than their affluent peers, setting in motion dramatic differences in vocabulary and academic achievement. This has led many parents into a well-intentioned frenzy, constantly talking at their babies in an effort to ensure their children's academic success later on. But it's important to remember that this approach can have unintended consequences. Many of my clients come to me saying, she's so dependent on me, she won't play by herself for even five minutes. And we should wonder, who taught my child to be all that dependent on me? Usually it's us, the parents. When babies are raised with near constant attention, entertainment, and narration of their lives, think, that's the blue block, you're looking at the plant, you touched your nose. They're conditioned to expect ceaseless interaction. It goes without saying that babies need interaction, but how much, how often, how consistently? Perhaps we've veered too far in the opposite direction, now talking to them too much rather than too little, which can exhaust us parents and leave no room for our children to appreciate a little bit of silence. It is important to remember that while vocabulary, exposure and conversation are important for a child's development, this does not mean that parents should be incessantly entertaining or narrating their children's every action. This practice can steal playtime away from both parent and child and also create an environment of overdependence on the parent's constant engagement. It's important to strike a balance between providing interaction and vocabulary exposure while also giving the child opportunity to explore and play independently. Ultimately, the decline in play has devastating consequences for children's physical and mental development and for family cohesion, joy and stability. In the past couple of decades, we have seen a sharp decline in children's creativity and a rise in all manner of childhood ailments like anxiety disorders and obesity. Our children's play was stolen. It's time to reclaim it. Go to reclaimplay.com and get your copy today. I am so thrilled to be finally releasing this book baby into the world. And I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on it. Much love and keep on living the high fam life. I'll see you here again next time.